All right, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome back to the Boca Podcast. I am your host, Nathan Holritz. It is great to be with you here today on a Monday. And um, I apologize for the slight delay. We ran into some technical issues, uh, but I think we've gotten them sort of sorted out for the time being, crossing our fingers. And I'm going to introduce our brand new guest here in just a second. For those of you that are live streaming, please don't be shy. Jump in, comment, ask questions, join the conversation. That's one of the major benefits of these live streams. And uh, for those of you that are listening after the fact, come join us sometime. If you follow us on Instagram at Boca, B-O-K-E-H podcast, you can keep up to date with the upcoming schedule and uh, come be part of these live streams. We'll do at least a couple a month and I uh, would love for you to be a part of those. This show, of course, is produced by Photographer's Edit. So for those of you who are in the middle of busy season, need some image editing help, we are there for you. Photographersedit.com, custom image editing for the wedding and portrait photographer. All right. Enough of the introduction. I want to, well, actually speaking of introductions, I want to introduce a brand new guest. Simon Yao is here with me. Simon, thank you for coming and doing the show with me. Kind of last minute too. <laughs> it is, it is. And no, really appreciate you reaching out to ask me to come on. I've, I've been following the show for a couple of years. And so it's uh, it's actually a little bit surreal just, just speaking to you and seeing your face. So um, yeah, I'm, I'm thrilled to be here. Well, it, it's truly a privilege, and I know that might seem, seem kind of cliche, but I really feel lucky to get to talk to yourself and the guests that we have come on the show, um, and it's a bit of a selfish thing for me, too. I just love conversation, and I, for everybody listening in, to kind of break the fourth wall a little bit here, Simon and I have literally just met. Um, we were kind of frantically trying to, put, to figure out some technical issues before we got started, <laughs> so we barely even had any conversation. We're literally going to get to know each other on air with everybody listening in and watching, and um, so that's kind of fun. I don't know. I like the raw element of that. And by the way, Sue chimes in from Sun Valley. Hey, Sue, thanks for chiming in. And for anybody who is live streaming with us, please don't be shy. Say hello. Um, and again, ask questions, comment along the way, because we're going to get into, I think, a really interesting conversation. We've actually not spent a lot of time on the opposite of, Simon, what I normally encourage our listeners to do, which is to specialize. We're going to be talking about this kind of debate, if you will of to niche or not to niche. We're going to get into that here in just a little bit. I want to start out with something kind of fun, though. Um, I was looking on your website. And for those of you listening in who don't currently follow Simon, I'm going to go ahead and pop this up for you. Uh, he, he's got a couple of websites, and he's going to give context to that here in just a second. But by Simon Yao, uh, Y-A-U.co.uk. And, uh, and then the other website is S-Y-A-U-Sportography.co.uk. And of course, we'll link to all these in the show notes at bocapodcast.com as well. And then I'll go ahead and pop up Instagram as well, syau.sportography. And then the other is by Simon Yao, Y-A-U. But Simon, I'm bringing all this up because I actually want to jump to your site by Simon Yao. And I'm going to pop this up on screen here really quick and read this element because this is kind of fun. Uh, something <laughs> that we talk about here on the show a decent amount, actually. In the about section of your site, you say, out of all the photographers, videographers in the area, why would you choose me to be part of your life milestones? And then in quotes, you have, because I'm, a, I'm passionate and create relaxed and natural memories of your day, says everyone with a camera, yawn. <laughs> <laughs> this should be a given and not a selling point. And I, I had to start with this because it's fun. And honestly, it really plays very well with a lot of the things that we talk about here on the show. But talk to us a little bit about why you said that on your site. I love that you're kind of calling out the industry a little bit. That's the key word there, calling out, because you know what, you, you, we have this, if we had this discussion two, three years ago, my bio would have just been that, I would have been saying, you know, I'm really passionate about my work, you know, I love, I love capturing those natural memories, but 
um, you know, I've been trying to grow this thing full time and we're immersed in that photography world online. And all I see in, in the content on people's websites, it's the same thing, generally speaking. And yeah. it's people talking about their passion for the art, their passion to deliver those memories. But, um, and the more I think about it and the more I feel the need to distinguish myself, you have to kind of do what other people aren't doing, if that makes sense. A hundred percent. I mean, it's all about positioning and actually just to kind of further for everybody who is not looking at Simon's site, let me pull that back up because I want to continue to your point, Simon, you say you may not know it, but what you deserve is a team player and a supporting act who's familiar with creating a positive experience, who can help put you at ease, smooth over any bops when curveballs appear, blend in the background or take absolute control when needed. If you hate striking a pose, we're a good fit. I'm all about helping you to be yourselves with easygoing prompts that will make you forget I'm even there. And the reason that I think continuing to read that matters is because one, it reflects what you're saying. Two, it emphasizes the importance of service. You're not here to talk about yourself. You're here to talk about how you're going to make their lives better. And that's the whole point in the end. So I love that you that you lead with us on your site. Yeah, I know. It's... Um... It's only a recent thing that I've put on the website. And as I said, two years ago, I wouldn't even dreamed of, of wording my, my USP that way, so to speak. Yeah. And, and actually, that's only come about because of feedback from clients. So I've shot weddings with the mindset that I'm just there to document the day. But when they've come back to me and said, oh, Simon, just wanted to say, really appreciate you, you know, sewing up the tear on my dress, you know, because I've got a sewing kit in my in my photography kit. And nice. the way you can't the way you calmed me down when I started to to feel a bit emotional, you know. And it just hit me like these are the things that matter. These are the things that you need to shout about. So see so yeah, that's uh full steam ahead on trying to put that in the limelight as a as a photographer now. You're there for them. And and I mean again, to, just to sum up briefly what you're saying. That's what it is. And we all can take that as an example, myself included, just to remember at the end of the day, we're here to serve our clients. And that's going to look different depending on the business, but we're there to serve the clients. And that's actually the most important thing. And you're right, Simon, this emphasis in the photo industry of talking about ourselves so much, there's a certain element of it that can be important for the sake of building a more personal relationship. But we've kind of gone to the extreme in the industry. I actually started in the industry over 20 years ago. Back in the day, we had no personality. It was just like, you know, the guy that shows up with the big camera and he's really probably a bit on the older side and he's boring and he's not super friendly and he just takes the pictures and it's stiff. And so it was good that we transitioned out of that to something that was more personable. But we've like a lot of times in, in our various cultures, we kind of tend to go to one extreme or the other. And I think mm -hmm. it's good to kind of bring it back around and focus on service some more. So I, I appreciate you highlighting that. Fiona chimes in from YouTube. She says, Simon's an incredible photographer. <laughs> Fact, looking forward to this. Thanks, Fiona, for chiming in. And uh, Patrick said, hey, Nate, uh, hi, Nate and Simon from Atlanta. And uh, Patrick, thanks for listening as well. And for the rest of you live streaming, don't be shy. Say hello. And again, ask questions, comment along the way. We've got a lot to talk about, Simon. So I'm just going to jump right in. Our yeah, let's go. podcast number one is focused on helping photographers build sustainable businesses, i.e. not getting burnout, actually having a life while also running successful business. <laughs> and so to that end, I'm curious if there is a particular principle, especially as you're growing a relatively new business, that it's enabled you to maintain some level of freedom and flexibility in your life as a photographer. Right. Well, the answer to that, Nathan, is I'm still I'm still figuring that out. But what okay. I can tell you is kind of an overview of what I've experienced the past three years. And I think like most of us, when we start out, we just wing it. We just 
we just jump into the ocean and we're just trying to stay afloat and we don't even know which way to swim but we're just swimming and so um especially in photography i was of the opinion that i need to be shooting and editing all the time because if i'm not shooting and editing i'm not bringing in any revenue and so that's how i'd measure my productivity the number of hours i'd spend in front of the computer shooting and editing and looking back, the funny thing is, I really had nowhere to put this work. So I was putting in all these hours and I was still invisible to my, my target mm. audience, so to speak. And when I started looking for external help, I signed on with a coach and she introduced the concept of time blocking. And so what that meant was first spending a week, literally noting how you're spending every minute of the day. So a lot of that was shooting and editing. Um, but everything else that comes with it, like the invoicing, your cooking, your cleaning, your YouTube binging, you name it, you write it. And the idea was to highlight where your time is being consumed. And so that really just put a figure on how much time I was sat in front of a computer and what I now call as in the business. So that's shooting and editing. Mm. And there was just an extreme lack of time on the business. So there, in a nutshell, it's, it's marketing, self-marketing, getting myself in front of the right eyeballs, in front of the right audience. And so what we devised was this template. It's kind of a diary by the hour, and you meant to label how to spend each of those hours in every day. And in principle, it seemed like a good idea. The first couple of hours would be spent on editing, followed by a couple of hours on marketing, a couple of hours on admin, that kind of thing where you split the day. And the problem that I found very quickly was that I think many people relate with photography. Some jobs can take a long time to edit and sometimes it's time sensitive deliverables. So you need to put more than the two hours into the edit. Sometimes you want to spend the whole day doing it because that's what they paid you for. And so as soon as I deviated from these time blocks, the anxiety going through my body was through the roof. I was like, oh my God, yeah. I'm inefficient. What am I doing here? This is falling to pieces and it's not going to work. And so that, that only that faded after a couple of weeks. And so now I'm on my third method and so I'm my new business coach and it goes back to, to basics. And it's as simple as one day in the business, so shooting and editing, and one day on the business and that's where your marketing and your outreach uh, happens. And so that's afforded me the freedom and flexibility to just go with the flow in the day, knowing that there's a, a goal and that whatever action I do doesn't have to be prescriptive, but it just has to contribute towards either the in or the on the business. And I've only been doing that for a month now, and it is working a tree. It's just the way my, my brain works. So that's that's what I've settled with for now. I actually like that. And you're literally the first person, I think, that's come on this show in six years or so now to suggest that idea. We've talked about time blocking quite a bit, and it works for some people. Um, yeah. It's something that I that works pretty well for me, but I love this idea because you know the, the funny thing about time blocking is if you have I don't know I'll be extreme for the sake of conversation, but if you have twelve twelve different time blocks in a day, mm. in addition to everything that you already have to keep up with, now you're also having to keep up with all these time blocks that you're supposed to be doing certain things in, it. and it can become overwhelming in and of itself if you simplify it to what you're talking about and have one day in the business, one day on the business. And by the way, I love that you're distinguishing those things as well. Then it just simplifies it and, and gives you a little bit more breathing room. I, I love this concept. 
yeah it's, uh, it's definitely working for me and like i said i think it's not it's not for everyone because some people want that granular hour by hour sure. description but um for those who are feeling that doesn't work give the the one day on and the one day in a go just for six days of the week make time for yourself on that seventh day that's something mm. i've had to do recently um but yeah give it a go i love that oh man this is good okay great very strong start but let's keep going you've been a business now for about is it three years is that correct yeah i'm in my third year of of bringing money in so still okay. early so with that in mind i'm just curious to get your take and i know this is probably a hard one like just to pick one big idea but what would you say so far has been the most important lesson that you've learned as a business owner um i think from the context of starting out when you're first starting out you're thinking i want to make money doing this and you know you want to get seen you want to be visible and what do we all do we all create an instagram account and we just post photos into the internet onto there hoping hoping that someone notices the work and magically dms you to say hey i'll, I'll pay you to do this <laughs> and you know what not looking back it's just it's just wasted time because what we have to realize is that Photography now has has never been more accessible and professional level gear has never been more affordable. Even prosumer like level equipment has never been more capable. And so not to devalue what, what skilled photographers can do, but a lot of beginners can achieve good results very, very quickly. And it's very hard to distinguish now between online portfolios, like who who's in it you know, who's a legit photographer, so to speak. And and what put it into context was, I think I read on Instagram alone, about 90 million posts are made every single day. So can you imagine, you're just starting out, you're, you're, you're a little post from an account with no followers, posting work that is arguably already done by better people. It's just noise. It's just this dust. There's, there's so much of it and it's never going to be seen. So posting and hoping was the biggest lesson for me in that is it just doesn't make any business so to speak so what's the alternative then if you're not posting and opening what's kind of the the opposite the better approach um you you touched on it already nathan and it's about positioning it's posting mm. with intent posting mm. with a purpose and that sounds like everything and nothing but what i mean is the best analogy i've, I've found of this is the humble bottle of water now in where i live at the convenience store, a bottle of water is about a pound. Um, and if you go, if I go to the airport, that very same bottle of water probably costs three to four times more. And the product hasn't changed, but it's it's the environment, right? And mm. it's the context, the immediacy of the people around there who are thirsty. They don't have much choice, but they want it because they're thirsty. So people will buy it. And so to bring that round back to photography, it's about positioning yourself or ourselves and our services in front of the right people. And again, posting and hoping that happens doesn't work. You have to find the people and you have to put the right messages out there to say what's in it for them. You know, no one wants to buy JPEGs. They want to buy solutions to their problems in, in, the, in the business sense. Yes, at the end of the day, and as fancy and complicated as us artists and photographer types may want to make it, it's really as simple as that, right? Yeah. What is the value proposition at the end of the day? What is the so-called problem that we're solving? 
And then how do we, how do we provide that in a way that's unique? And then Mm. how do we connect with the right people that would want that in the right environment too? I like that you, that you specify the importance of environment as well. It is that. And I think, um, just to elaborate on that in the beginning, when I first started posting my fitness photos, I would just post and, you know, no, no value captions. It would just be stuff I see all the time now, like, oh, stay strong, you know, consistency gets results, that kind of thing. But the problem is people will see that they, they may like it, but then they scroll past after a, a second. And knowing what I know now about social media, it's about eyeball retention. You need to keep attention on that post for it to be, to be promoted. And so if I just took any picture of an athlete that I'd shot perfectly lit and edited and didn't put anything in the way of the caption, you know, it would be lost. But if I use the same photo and the caption instead read something like this lady was clinically obese three years ago, she broke her back and the doctor said she'd never go to a gym ever again. But then she found a coach and a gym has helped overcome all that and is now in this incredible shape. Mm. You know, it's not about the image. It's, it's how you package that. And when you explain the story behind the images or the videos, that's what's going to resonate with your your audience, right? Yeah, the storytelling. Wow, that's super powerful. And, and actually really a great segue too into kind of my next question. You talked about your sports photography and I want to go ahead and bring up your site. And for those of you listening in, if, if you don't, if you're not actually uh, live streaming with us, if you go to syausportography.co.uk, of course you can see Simon's sports photography site there, sport and fitness photography and videography based in Northeast Lincolnshire. And Simon, I, I'm curious, I mean, and you now have a wedding and photo or excuse me, wedding photo and video business as well. We're going to talk more about that. And of course, ultimately this idea of generalizing versus specializing, but how did you get into sports photography specifically in the first place? Um, I got into that after I quit my old job, my old career in, in the nuclear engineering industry. And it was a phase of my life where I pursued subjects because that was, was kind of expected to be at the risk of stereotyping the, the tiger Asian sort of family. I was expected to be an engineer, a lawyer or a doctor. And so that's, that's what I did. Okay. Um, but a few years, a few years into that line of work, it, I just figured out it wasn't for me. And then my kids were born and I just, I wasn't the dad or the husband I, I, I wanted to be, you know, I was sacrificing mm. my time, my health and well-being, just to make essentially my line managers more, mm. more successful, you know? So that's when I quit and I just found an opportunity to move back to my home country in the UK. And I just joined a CrossFit gym just out of curiosity because people had spoken good about it. And I thought, nah, it's now or never. Prioritize my health and well-being because money's great. But then someone said to me, it doesn't laugh with you. And what good is it if I'm not even going to live long enough to even use it all? So so here I was in a, in a gym. And at this point, I'd been a hobbyist photographer for about 15 years. And so I took my camera along one day started taking photos of the gym members in the classes. And and before I knew it, the, the manager said, um, oh, Simon, you're, you're pretty good at this. Do you mind if we use the images for social media marketing? And it was at that point I thought, do people pay? Do people pay money for this kind of stuff? <laughs> stuff that I find that I do for fun. You know, I love yeah. it. I love that pursuit of just capturing these. They're just ordinary people. They're not elite athletes, but mm. the people just trying to better themselves. And it just mm. resonated with where I was in life. I wanted to be better, not just financially or in socioeconomic status, but just for me, just for my kids. And so 
And so that's where it started. I did the social media marketing content for them. I started doing fitness photo shoots for the clients there who were on transformations. And then that's just grown into, you know, regional and national CrossFit events where there's hundreds of athletes competing. And I'm there in a, in a capacity to document the event. So that's, that's kind of how I got into the, the sports side of things. And what would you say, or, or I don't know if there are, I'm assuming, but are there misconceptions um, about sports photography and photographing CrossFit in particular that come to mind? Um, again, thinking of where I was three years ago, I used to think that it was about buying a super expensive camera that could do 20 frames a second, amazing autofocus, and just spray and pray and react to what's in front of you. But having done this for three years, um, it's changed. And I'm quite confident I could do what I do with any equipment because the game changer is because of the, of the knowledge of the sport. So if you're able to invest time to understand the sport, to know what CrossFit is, what the methodology is, how, how movements look, how bodies move, what human physiology looks like, you can, you can anticipate the hero shots mm. you can you know you're not always in the constant state of reaction you're looking where the light is you're looking how to frame things and you know it goes back to what we we're saying that's how you start to elevate yourself against mm. the people who are just shooting for the sake of shooting and you're actually creating something that's that's usable for a business I like that you say so, not yeah. reactive, but being intentional. Like you actually have a concept of mind because a lot of times sports photography, which I've done some of, um, certainly not as much as you have, but but then certainly wedding photography and even some types of portrait mm -hmm. photography, it feels at times a bit reactive in nature. Like you're just you're just trying to capture everything as it's happening. But when we finally have developed enough of a skill set, familiarity with the, with the environment, with the craft, with our gear, mm. to where we can be more intentional and proactive, it's a different ballgame at that point. So I love that you make that distinction. And maybe this is one of the suggestions that you have, but just to kind of flip the tables here, what would you say would be two or three of the most important ideas to keep in mind for those who are interested in getting into sports photography that would enable them to do a better job? Um, asking me now at this point of the business, I would probably say, you know, business aside, it's about finding the right people to connect with and getting to know the right people. And I want to say the right people, I mean, people who are already doing what you want to do or what you think you want to do. So I attribute where I am due to the fact that I spent time on Instagram as, as poisonous as it can be, but you have to find, you have to be intentional. The, the word is intentional. You have to find yeah. the people who are operating in the domain, who are serving the clients that you want to serve and reach out. More often than not, they are happy to help. Some are a little bit territorial and don't want anything to do with you, but the vast majority have been super kind. And maybe that's part of the CrossFit scene because it's, it's very uh, community driven. And now at the bigger events where I work with, we're often in a team, we see the same faces, and we're there just to help each other. And so, you know, for people wanting to break into it, just just DM, connect. And if you really connect, then you know, ask if you can come shadow them, you know, see how they work in the real in the real world. And if they see that you do a good job, they can help put in good words for you when they're looking to expand the team. That's that's exactly the path that I walked. And mm. you know, you simply can't do that if you don't talk to people there's a lot of people who just hide and lurk on social media right <laughs> it's and true yeah assume but you can use it for good 
for your own for your own benefit. So, you know, I myself, I get I get DMs all the time, like, oh, Simon, look what you do. What camera do I buy? You know, I'm more than happy to share that information because I wish I had future Simon talking to me three or four years ago. So, um, people like me were out there. So, just just DM and connect. Yeah, and and Sean's echoing that. Uh, shout out to Sean, who's a, a longtime friend and and uh, actually multiple time guest on the show as well. But Sean says relationships. Love that answer, and it really does come back to relationships at the end of the day. It's funny, 2023, all the technology in the world. And yet it really does come back to relationships. That is really the most important thing. So I love that you lead with that. How about another couple of ideas, though, to follow up on that? Um, I think going back into the business sense is that when you're starting out, you or I even, we tend to sell on price. And what I mean by that is that you want to get your foot in the door and you think by undercutting some of your competitors, that, that will help you. And if anything, it harms you because... You know, people say it devalues the industry. I do. I do agree to that to some extent, but it's a race to the bottom. You can't win that because you're just going to go lower and lower, even though you're going to get better and better at your craft. And so, only in the last year have I figured out to have the confidence and the courage to say, "No, I am worth what I'm worth. I've put in the time. This is the social proof I have. This is my mm. portfolio, and this is my fee, and this is my fee." People will think, oh, no, but people won't pay that. But then it goes back to what we were saying earlier. If those people have had a good experience from you in the past and people are speaking well about you because they've had a good experience of you, then it's it's always a win. That, that makes sense. I, man, and pricing is really like a, such a loaded topic in and of itself. Yeah, we, could, we could just park here for a very long time. Uh, is there, is there some sense, I, because I'm not as familiar with the sports photography world, mm -hmm. uh, and, and certainly more so with wedding and portrait, I know in the, the wedding and portrait world, there is some sense of a, a starting place for, for mm -hmm. prices, whether it's looking at your peers, um, well, really, I guess it kind of starts at that place and understanding what people around you are charging that that seems to be kind of the default that people go yeah. to. I think that I think the more logical and, and ultimately healthier approach is to look at what it is that you need to make for the sake of your needs and goals and set yeah. pricing based on that. But do you is there a starting place that you would suggest and not not necessarily a price, but a, a mindset, mm. if you will, for a starting place for photographers? Uh, I wish I I'm not sure how to answer that. What what I will say is that particularly in in the CrossFit world where I've grown the business is it's very cool to shoot CrossFit. And what I mean by that is that anyone with a camera is more than happy to turn up to a gym and shoot this kind of photography because it gets social media interaction, because it makes people happy, because people look cool. I mean, I don't know anyone who was willing to turn up to a corporate conference to shoot for eight hours for free in their own time, you know? So <laughs> for pretty I'm obvious reasons. In, yeah, so, you know, sports... I don't know for sure, but I would say that there's a lot more people willing to do it in their free time. And what that means is that supply is way more than demand. And so I personally, because I do this full time, and at the bigger events, there are swarms of hobbyists trying to just get in there for a pizza just to shoot these athletes. And it's tough for me to convince some of the organizers why I charge what I charge, because they don't care I'm full time. They don't care that I bought you know, nice gear. They just care about the quantity of photos. So 
Um, I've forgotten what you asked this question now. What was it? That's well, it. just a, uh, a starting place. Like if, if somebody's interested in yeah. getting into sports photography, how should they go about thinking about where do yeah, you start? I mean, again, so one thing is goes back to connection. Find the people who operate in the industry already and see if they're willing to share that information. I'm, I'm more than happy to share that information. And I've mm. built trust with other people in the circuit who share that information as well. We all agree it's all underpaid compared to wedding work. But um, yeah, find that, and that's that's it. And but in terms of the market rate, like I said, because there's so many people doing it for free, especially in CrossFit, there's I think it's um, it's strange. There's a lot of money in CrossFit, but there seems to be not enough for, for photography. Mm. So that's an interesting one, and we'll we'll park that for now because I know we could spend even more time there. But you you started with the suggestion of of course connecting with the right people, building your relationships with key people. It's so so important. Mm. Number two, charge what you're worth. And I think you mentioned to me before we started, you had kind of three ideas here. What's the third idea that you think will help those listening in be a better sports photographer? Um, it goes back to what we're saying about the marketing again. Just going up, like I've, I'm trying to expand a little bit my sport sport photo portfolio so i've been doing some motorsport i've been doing jujitsu i've been doing dance showcases and i suppose what i'm trying to get out there is when you're trying to to branch out into those um other sectors something you've never done before again it's just connecting with the people with decision makers in those industries who who may value what we bring to the table in terms of visuals um, so again, it's not just about turning up and say, Hey, can I just shoot some photos and then disappearing? It's shooting it, giving them something, giving them some value to say, here's what I can do. This is how you use it. And you almost plant that seed to say, this is the value I can bring to the business if they're looking for that kind of support. And being really specific about that, is there, and are you doing that more through conversation or through various online uh, venues or a combination of both. What have you felt, or what have you found, is the most effective way to communicate that value prop? Oh, for me personally, I've just kept it local. I have gone yeah. to speak to people. I found out where their businesses are, and I will say, "I'm just look. I'm just in the area. Can I just pop by for a coffee, just for a chat? You know, would you like it if I? You know, I've noticed that you know you're trying to take photos whilst you're coaching. Mm. Have you thought about someone else doing that for you and giving you way more? You know, you're trying to, to sort of educate them about what they could get from knowing yeah. me or knowing you. I love that. And I love the simplicity of that. We'll, we'll leave it at that for now. Um, I want to transition further. And some listening in might be like, Nate, you said you were going to talk about niching down or not. I promise we're getting there. Um, <laughs> I, I was, there. I told Simon ahead of time, I'm like, I'm curious because we actually haven't talked a lot about sports photography on the show. And I, I wanted to dig into that a little bit. But let's now come to the fact that you, I mean, you started in sports photography. You've since launched a, a wedding photo and video business. And for those of you that missed the first part of the show, if you go to, I popped this up on screen here, but buy Simon Yao, yau.co.uk. Uh, you can check out Simon's work there. But Simon, um, without spending a whole lot of time on the backstory, if, if you were to kind yeah. of sum up why you made that transition, or not the transition, but why you added the additional brand, uh, mm -hmm. what was the motivation there? Okay, this is an ongoing discussion in my head. I've spoken to so many people about how, how to handle this, but the, the body of wedding work came as a result of the fitness work. And it goes back to was saying that when you provide a good service people will call on you for whatever problem so as you can imagine at the gym these people own businesses these people will get married and so they see my work there and and one day a couple approached me and said oh do you do you do photos for weddings I was like 
I can. Um, but I can give you names of established wedding photographers in the area. And they said, yeah, but we don't know them. We know you, mm. Simon, and we like how you operate. And so it's, it's hitting again on, on the fact that if you've good customer service, they'll, they'll, they'll ask you to do it regardless. Yeah. And so I've been doing wedding work on the side for the past two years, but it's stayed invisible until about until this summer where I thought, you know what, it's worth, I owe, I owe the people I could help, you know, uh, what am I trying to say here? I owe them the possibility to see what I can do by creating an online presence. And if anything, wedding work was what I was going to get into in the first place, but I just felt it was a bit saturated and a bit territorial. So it's come back out and I've created a separate brand because most people say, and I think some of your previous episodes, that you need to specialize, you need to, to niche down. And wedding specifically needs its own place for, for every professional is mm. what I've been told. I'm, I'm still questioning that, but okay. maybe you'll, you'll probe into that as we move along. Well, I, I think I'll just say this off the bat. And again, we may dig into this some more too, but the fact that you, when you went that route and you added wedding photography in as kind of an official service, rather than just secretly offering it behind the scenes, you created a separate brand and site. I think a lot of times the reason that I argue for specialization, aside from what I feel is a, is a pretty obvious um, enabler, if you will, to focus yeah. marketing efforts, attention. I mean, we, we talked a little, we alluded to this a little bit earlier, but we've got so much to keep up with as business owners. And if we're now adding, you know, four different genres of photography, that complicates our lives even further. Or if we're going to try to yeah. market ourselves and they're like, what, what do you do? And I'm like, well, I specialize in, and then I list four different types of photography. Their eyes are already blurring over and, and getting cross-eyed and, and they're losing track of why they should even be paying attention in the first place. If I mm. can, if I can in the right context, you talked about environment earlier, in the right environment, I'm talking about my sports photography, in the right environment, I'm talking about my engagement or wedding photography or video. That I think makes a lot more sense. And somebody's not coming to one website where they're saying 68 different things that they have to like try to figure out and, and navigate through it's very focused. And, and I love just to off the bat, I'll just say, I love the fact that you created that separation and that distinction. Yeah. And it's, it seems to be working for now, but, um, what I'm, I'm thinking now is, is that because that's what people tend to do. They tend to say the, the niche is the label of wedding photographer mm. is fitness photographer is commercial. And, but what I'm experiencing is that the same person could be hiring me for all all, all things, you know, the marriage, the business content and the fitness shoots. And actually maybe the, the niche isn't actually what kind of photography it is, but it's who you're helping. So, you know, I, I've identified the common thread in all my lines of commercial wedding and fitness work is that it's just about helping people feel comfortable in front of the camera mm -hmm. and making them look good. So, yeah, I'm, I'm well, having that ongoing discussion about the niche. And I, I don't know what it is, but... Well, I, but again, I think you've already figured out a good direction to go just by creating the distinction. The thing about people meeting you, I mean, even just the brief amount, literally less than an hour that I've known you, you're very easy to talk to, extremely friendly. I understand why people who spend, you know, even a little bit more time around you as you're photographing, they naturally want to invite you now to go photograph this thing or that thing because they've begun to develop a relationship, a comfort level, and then a relationship with you. Mm. That makes sense. The, 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 caveat to this conversation, I think, is anybody that's coming from the outside that don't have that established relationship with you yet, 
they don't have the reason to just naturally ask for other types of photography. And if they're just landing on a website with five different types of photography and videography that they've got to kind of go through all these different galleries and figure out yeah. what this thing is and that, how much does this cost? That becomes complicated. Whereas yeah. if somebody is searching, doing a Google search and they need a sports photographer, they land on a site dedicated to that, or they need a wedding photographer, they land on a site dedicated to that. That's a much better user experience if they're coming from, from the outside. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah, it does make sense. Yeah. That's just my, my take on it. But let me just, for the sake of trying to be a, a halfway decent interviewer anyway, I want to kind of, kind of backtrack just a slight bit. So you made this move in the, the direction of adding a secondary brand, kind of making it official, having a separate website. Have you found thus far, I mean, you've obviously making it work for yourself, but are, are there any drawbacks that you've experienced so far in trying to manage multiple brands, multiple websites simultaneously? Yeah, definitely. And, and it goes back to the start of the conversation about time management in that because you are essentially having to speak and divide your time between two audiences, two different types of customers who have different desires, they've got different needs, different budgets. You can't, you can't make one post an umbrella post that covers both. You need to almost double your time mm. in, in the marketing side. So yeah, the double-edged sword is yes, you can become specialized and very targeted in your, in your messages, but you need to put in twice the amount of work to make sure it is specific enough for those brands. So yeah, time management is the, is the drawback, I think is the solution to the drawback needing to, <laughs> <laughs> to dedicate more time to it. No, that's, that's fair though. And I, I'm not, I know some people at least claim to be good multitaskers. Um, I, that's a conversation in of itself, but I, I, I'll be the first to admit I'm not a good multitasker. I do a better job focusing on one particular thing. I have multiple brands. I'm involved in, well, three different brands at this point. And it's, it's a lot to juggle. And I figured out ways to be able to focus my time and attention uh, to manage it a bit more effectively, but it's just hard. And you're right. It does take a lot of time having to jump from this role to that role to the, we already have multiple roles as business owners anyway. And then you add a second brand to that. Now we've at least doubled the number of roles. And so it's a, it's a lot to juggle, but I guess on the flip side of that though, whereas time management, uh, as it relates to having to juggle all those different moving pieces is the biggest challenge what would you say have been the biggest benefits at least so far i know this is a bit of an experiment but but what would you say yeah i think i touched on it earlier in that the even though they're quite distinct you know genres or niches it's it's the same people i'm serving across them so you know when i'm shooting the weddings they'll look at my social media and they'll see that link to the sports side and they themselves may be running a gym they themselves may have a PT who are look, looking for someone to help capture their client transformation. So having those multiple brands, yes, it's, it, it's, it's more work, but you can, you can serve more people that way. And so for me, that's been one of the biggest benefits of not just sticking to the sport, but branching out to wedding and also an invisible, a still invisible corporate and commercial uh, media business. Interesting. Okay. So the opportunity, I mean, I, I know that, Photographers, that's one of the biggest fears of focusing in or niching down is FOMO, right? We're going to fear missing out on the opportunity for this business. And you're saying it's actually done just that for you. It's giving you the opportunity to be able to take on more business. And it's a natural fit too, because somebody who needs this type of photography may likely need this other type that you're also offering. It's a very easy transition to make in that regard. That's interesting. Would you say um, at this point, I mean, managing these two brands so far, and potentially a third now, um, 
do you have suggestions, two or three recommendations to those who are considering the idea? They're like, okay, you know what? I, I, I kind of like what Simon's doing here. His thought process mm -hmm. makes sense. I see he's been able to figure out how to manage these two different brands. I'm interested in doing the same thing. What are the suggestions that you would give to them thus far? I think the first suggestion is it, it has to make sense from a business perspective. And I think I'll zone in on the case of things like if you are already a wedding photographer, which is quite seasonal, where we're even in the fitness world, the peak of the work comes in summer and we often have quiet winter periods. And so if, you, if you're looking to fill that diary in, in the quieter months, then by all means, maybe the weekday commercial work is a second brand or business that you can build or start to start to pad out. And, but I know people who do wedding photography year round and they manage to fill the diary. So for me, it is about looking at your diary and how you want that to look and feel the year round and just zoning in on how seasonal something is. So that'll be my first one. Okay. And that makes sense. Yeah. From a logistical standpoint. Um, and I, I've even done that myself with one of our brands looking at, because we're working with clients internationally. So we can look at the seasons in this particular area of the world and then the season in this area of the world and figure out how to get additional business here to, to kind of fill in, um, those spots that may be slower in one part of the world with business from, from these other parts. So yeah, from a logistical standpoint, looking at the business opportunity or the business logistics, I guess, more specifically, mm. does it, can you make that work in a way that, that works that also kind of fits your personal lifestyle too? That's the other thing that has to be considered. It, it, theoretically, it sounds nice to add an additional brand, but now we got to add all these different moving parts. So we have so, to consider the personal side, but okay. From a logistical standpoint, does it make business sense? That makes sense. Mm. What's number two? Number two would be in order to not make sort of the same mistakes, to make it as efficient as possible is to find help. Now I'm on my third business coach, business and accountability coach. And this third one that I've found is exactly what I need. He's been in, in the industry for you know seven or eight years. And it's just someone who speaks on my wavelength, who've been through all the problems about running not just one brand, but a number of brands. And so, you know, to save the heartache and the headache of trying to get another business off the ground, mm. help is out there. Help is out there. Like, don't be afraid to ask. Do do things that are uncomfortable like this. I wouldn't have done this two years ago. <laughs> you know what I mean? But again, it goes back to connecting, connecting with the right people, people who can help you. And you can only do that if you put yourself out there. I love that. But a question here, though, you mentioned that you're on your third coach. Is there, yeah. based on that experience as well, do you have, just as kind of a sidebar, a recommendation as to how to go about finding that right person? Um, I think it's a bit like, like when I go on Amazon, I look for word of mouth, I look for reviews, okay. I look for people who've had the good customer service. This is looping back around to what we were saying about being a good photographer, you know, finding people who have the social proof that can fix our problems. And that's what we need to, that's what we need to find. Fair enough. That makes sense. Okay. So you tend, you seem to be a guy of a man of threes. So do you have a third recommendation <laughs> for those who are trying, or at least considering the idea of maybe juggling brands off the cuff, if you need to, I have to say, I can't think of one off the top of my head. Um, a general encompassing rule for any photographer, just, just stop buying so much gear would be, would be another <laughs> business one. You know, that's, that's, that's it for me. Yeah. Fair enough. Fair enough. Well, and, and I was thinking too, as, as you were saying, okay, I'm, I'm trying to come up with something. 
what what has struck me here that is I think a really great example for everyone, your example, is the way that you're experimenting. Um, you know, there, there's the thing about business and, and really life in general for that matter is that it takes it feels risky to jump in and do something. And a lot of times we don't do that thing for fear of not getting it just right when when we go in for it, you know? I mean, I'm I'm guilty of it for sure. So the fact that you're willing to say, okay, you know what, here's an opportunity. I'm going to go give this a shot and see how it works. And it doesn't mean that plans are set in stone. You can always course correct. I think that's the other thing. People assume, whether it's conscious or subconscious, that once they do the thing, then they're mm. stuck. The reality is we do what we know best in the moment and it's okay to course correct down the road. And I think that will take some of the pressure. If we realize that and own that, it takes some of the pressure off of going and giving that thing a shot, giving it a try, trying mm. to make it work, being willing to learn it along the way, tweak it, adjust it, stop it if we need to, or just change the approach. But I yeah. love the fact that you're willing to actively experiment. Is that, have you always been one that's that's willing to take that risk and give the thing a shot or? You know, that those last 20 seconds there really, really resonate with me because mm. I, I've grown up knowing how to succeed and only succeed. You know, I, I, I was very good in school. I didn't know what failure really looked like. So I was very scared to, to put myself in zones of, of the unknown and discomfort. But it's only since leaving that security and doing this, this line of work have I, it's been hard, but learning how to become comfortable with being uncomfortable, to take risks and, and knowing that nothing is fatalistic. And if anything, what I've learned in the past three years far surpasses anything I've learned in the past, how old am I now? 30 something years. <laughs> um, just because you, you're taking chances and that's, mm. that's where the, the reward is. That's where it's at, man. And what a beautiful way to sum up our conversation. I, I appreciate you. Speaking of taking risk, I appreciate you taking the risk coming on the show <laughs> um, and just really diving in with me here. And I think there's been some really great takeaways from our conversation, very practical takeaways. Thank you, Simon. Truly appreciate it. For everybody listening in, I will be linking, of course, to Simon's website and socials in the show notes at bocapodcast.com. Uh, we will be posting this live uh, of course, it's live stream on Facebook and YouTube now at Boca Podcast, but the audio version of this will go out tomorrow, Tuesday, the 24th. And of course, the show notes will be at bocapodcast.com there as well. Thanks again, Simon. This is this has really, really been fun. Thank you so much. Yeah, it's been great.